Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here, and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have the first part of a very exciting three-part series, very exciting because our guest is just so full of fabulous information. I think you're absolutely going to love it. And this is a three-part series. Today is part one of the three-part series. And our guest is the serial entrepreneur from Canada, Jean-Éric Lamondon. And so Jean takes us through his journey today in this first episode, talking all about his unusual acquisition stories and the unintended opportunities in growth through acquisition. This is indeed a story all about acquisition, but there is also a lot here for those of you who are growing a business or ultimately looking to exit the business. We talk about Jean's background to his acquisition, why he acquired, and in fact, why he acquired in multiple acquisitions and what he learned throughout the acquisition journey. And then we will be back with part two and part three, which you will be able to find linked to in your show notes, where we talk in part two about tales of a serial entrepreneur with four sales under his belt. And we talk about everything relating to exit and the essential elements to be aware of when you're exiting a business. And in part three of our three-part series, we are talking about innovation, innovation in business and innovation in acquisitions and sales of businesses. So without further ado, here we go with part one of our three-part series. John, welcome to the Deal Room Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Likewise. Thank you, Joanna. No, do you know what? I know I I know I said I'm excited, but I just want to be clear. I am really excited because you have got such a fabulous story, so many fabulous stories. Um, and this is just the first podcast of many um, that we're going to do together. But why don't we kick it off with a bit of your um, quick background, Sean, because one of the reasons I really wanted to you on this podcast and one of the one of my most passionate topics is acquisition for growth and you have such a good story in in that area so why don't you kick it off give us a bit of a back, background to your acquisition story and we're going to get to other stories soon but but we're talking about your acquisition story today yeah cer- certainly so i guess what i'm what most people would call a serial entrepreneur apparently um i'm not supposed to use the word serial anymore but i think it's <laughs> Sounds like serial killer. Is that the (laughs) idea? Yeah. You know, people are watching too many of those uh, murder mystery shows or whatever, but uh, (laughs) serial entrepreneur is not a serial killer. It just means I've had a lot of companies. So I've had over 10 companies now. um, And uh, technically I'm scaling up my 11th as we speak. And, uh, you know, I got started in, in uh, the business world quite early and 
uh, as a, doing a little bit of consulting work for a company that was growing quickly, needed some help with systems. And that's when I found my first opportunity to acquire it. Uh, the owner at the time was just bored of the company, didn't know you can even sell a company. Um, and so that's when I came in and thought, you know what, this is a perfect opportunity to acquire, uh, scale it up. And little did I know, I, I uh, built it to a place where I could sell it nine months later for something that was three times the price of something I didn't even really pay for at the beginning because I did buy it on that vendor take back uh, terms and conditions. So, yeah, that was my first taste of, uh, you know, entrepreneurship. Um, and then, it, yeah, it went from there. Brilliant. Okay. I absolutely love that. So you didn't, and there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of people in the market at the moment talking about, you know, buy businesses without paying any money for them. And, you know, and, and I'm a bit skeptical, I have to say, uh, of, of a lot of this talk around, but here you are, you're proving me wrong. You're showing me that it can, and our, and our listeners that it can actually be done. So what, where did you get a, the idea to structure a transaction in this way and B, how did you structure it? Talk to us about both of those things. Well, keep in mind, I was like 20 years old, so I had no money. Um, uh -huh. I bought this plate, this part of my life. I had already, I owned one property and I was looking to acquire more properties because I was into the rental game as well. And I knew how to leverage other people's money. So when I saw the opportunity here, it was more of a, I had put it together because of necessity. So, um, you know, there's many things you can negotiate in a transaction. And so they wanted a certain price. And so I gave them the price, but, you know, on the terms where I could pay them off over time. So we gave them a, a nice lucrative interest rate um, at the time. That was probably nothing compared to today. But, you know, it was a, an interest rate on they financed me back for the purchase uh, of what I could buy, buy it for. Yeah, brilliant. There's a lot of this going on at the moment here in Australia um, and, and so, you know, I, I think it's really timely, this, uh, this discussion and what, just so that we can ground ourselves, what kind of business was it that you bought? That was a, uh, an e-commerce business, uh, where we were wholesaling and retailing paintball goods. Uh-huh. Okay. Wonderful. And I had never gone paintballing when I, even when I acquired the company. And what, so why did, why did you buy a paintballing company then? What was the reasons behind it? Uh, it had excellent cash flow. It had a, it was a business that I could run from my laptop and I thought, why not? It's already got an established market. Uh, we, we had a good footing in the uh, Canadian market. You know, we were kind of the, um, in the central part of, of the country for distribution. We were also selling down to the US. We're only an hour from the border. And I thought, this is fantastic. You know, I don't care about what the widget is. Um, there was already a proven market, proven sales. So I jumped in. Okay. So you were 20 years old. Um, you found this business in, in an area that you hadn't had experience in before, which makes sense because you're 20 years old. You probably hadn't had the opportunity to have a heck of a lot of experience in any industries. But so why buy a business? What had you listened to things that talked about the benefits of business ownership and, you know, like explain to us what, why buying a business at that point? That's a good question. Um, when I was, you know, between the ages of like 17 to 20, I, I, got looped into one of those multi-level marketing companies and, um, but they weren't a multi-level marketing, but they were, yeah. <laughs> you know how they say that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Right. I, yeah. We've got a lot they, of them. They were. Yeah. Uh, but they, they did have a lot of good training. And so I, I learned a lot and they had 
some really good programs where they would they would do book a month program where we would read a book a month and they had a lot of um information that we would consume that this is back i'm dating myself now so cds we would do cds in the car and i would be listening to like three or four hours a day of this content and it would range from everything from leadership to personal finance to how to leverage finances to work for you and business was a topic that was often discussed and to me that was the ultimate form of um, self-improvement but also for leverage and so it, there was always this goal of freedom as well around that which is perhaps a bit ironic uh, because when you're getting into business you don't always have that uh, all the time but uh, <laughs> but you have control so you think yeah but not right, yeah, Love yeah, it. yeah 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 and so um so nonetheless that was the idea behind it that was the dream and uh I didn't come from a family of business owners so you know we're we're French Canadian here in in Canada and generally speaking like we all kind of just go work for the government and so all my family members they all had worked for the government or unions of some sort and I was kind of the black sheep that just wanted to go do something on my own. And so uh, I didn't have anybody to look up to or family business or any of that stuff in terms of how do I do business. So I just started to network and get out there. And so originally this multi-level marketing company exposed me to a whole bunch of new concepts. I read books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and understood the difference between you know the, the quadrants, the ESIB quadrants, which stands for employee, self-employed, investor, business owner. And I realized, okay, how do I switch over to that side? How do I become that? And um, so when the opportunity presented itself, I structured a deal. Oh, love it. Love it. So many questions. Don't even know where to start. Um, but I'll start with where did you find it? And this wasn't, this wasn't your only acquisition, was it? It was just the beginning of your acquisition journey. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so it, it was really just through, through a network. So the business was never actually for sale. And so I think that's the the number one thing. When you say you can buy businesses for no money down, you know, if you're going through a broker, it's very unlikely that you're going to get that deal. Um, so you, it, you know, in essence, I stumbled upon this company that wasn't really for sale, and I happened to land myself there as as formal of a as a 20 year old consultant can be. But I guess you know, I came in as a consultant essentially to help them just with some processes. I've always been really tech savvy and. I always understood how things connect technology wise. And so I saw an e-commerce business, and this is a long time ago now, uh, where e-commerce was not what it is today with the Shopify's of the world, et cetera. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to help them out. And at the end of the day, one day the owner just said, I, I'm just tired of this thing. And he was starting up, he was a typical visionary, starting up all these other entities and businesses, and he was just going to close it down. And so that's when I convinced him. So, well, hey, we can do something here. He didn't even think he could sell a company, but uh, so that's when I convinced him, well, let's, let's make a deal. Love it. So good. Okay. And so, and, and so what was next then in terms of your, your acquisition journey? Oh, and, and before we get that, to that, sorry, let's go back. You said you sold it nine months later for three times what you well, didn't pay, I guess. <laughs> We're meant to pay at some point along the way, way and, and probably ultimately did. Quick synopsis, how did you do that? How did you build it up to three times the value in nine months? Well, I ended up acquiring two other companies while running it already within that period of time. So now my time was getting split up between three companies. Thankfully, they're all mostly digital e-commerce, but I actually owned the physical 
product. So I wasn't drop shipping. So at this point I had a 6,000 square foot warehouse uh, space and, you know, forklift and people and all this stuff. So um, I, I realized, you know, there's an opportunity to probably package this thing quite nicely with a bow on it. So I approached a couple of uh, paintball yards and I made a, an introduction, showed them how they can supplement their paintball facility with this, have on-site inventory, but also sell around the world. And uh, that's when we made, made the deal. Oh, I love it. And did you, were you then just hooked after this, you, you know, after this um, exposure to the idea of acquiring, building, selling? Is that sort of, did that happen? I can imagine hearing it that one would be, but you know. For sure. I mean, there, there may have been beginner's luck in that as well, because, you know, it's also a small deal. So we didn't have legal and all the stuff involved. And if we did, it probably would have crushed the deal, right? Because it was small and we were young and all this fun stuff. I mean, I guess I was young, but I don't know. The other players weren't necessarily. Um, so, but for sure at the time I thought, well, this is, that was fun, you know? So is this a thing? Like, are there people who go around and turn companies around? You know, and that was the thing I started to put on my, my business cards. Like I flip companies and, <laughs> you know, I, I've quickly taken that off my business card. But, you know, that was something <laughs> that I, I thought, hey, this is fantastic, you know. So. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Tell me, tell me about other acquisitions. What, what was your most exciting acquisition? You know, so one of the companies I acquired, we, we were it was a company that sold collectible pieces. So Bullion is the industry name, B-U-L-L-I-O-N. So Bullion is like collectible bars, coins, et cetera. And within that, we were doing really well. So we were Canada's second largest eBay store at the time. We were doing really well. I was also wholesaling these products around the world. And so we were manufacturing out in China. So I was making the odd trip out there you know, manufacturing, constantly sourcing and doing quality assurance. Uh, I had a warehouse in China, in the US, Canada, and we were shipping all around the world. So it was a good little business. Um, but our biggest and fastest growing commodity or product was copper, copper ingots and copper bars and coins and rounds, etc. So, but China was going through a boom at the time and the, the copper was just going through the roof. And it got to the point where I, I it was breaking the economics of it. I couldn't get it made anymore. So even though the input costs were so cheap, the the commodity, the raw material costs were just going through the roof. And so and during all this time, I was constantly going to conferences and seminars and I was coaching and all these different things. And I remember being in a conference or a seminar and I heard about how the, the Vanderbilts created that vertical integration in their company. And I thought, huh, I wonder how I can do that. So I started to think about, okay, well, where can I get copper at its cheapest source? And I landed up on the idea of scrap. So scrap metal is the cheapest form of commodities, of metals, because it's cheaper to, to even mine it out of the ground. So I went off on a path and went through my network and tried to find scrap yards that I could buy. So I landed in this little town, you know, just probably 20 minutes north of the U.S. border and was talking to an old couple that are in their 60s trying to convince them to sell me their scrapyard. And, uh, you know, of course, you can imagine I'm the city boy, not rural at all, and also probably quite young, especially to them. And they're just but they, they said, look, we, we have another yard in another province. So one province west of us in, from Manitoba to Saskatchewan. 
go check it out because that might be an opportunity for you to buy. You know, they acquired it um, in the 07, 08 recession with, you know, how everything uh, unfolded with that. And they said, well, we don't really want it. We acquired it because, you know, someone had to pay us a debt, but check it out. So I went and checked it out and I thought, this is a gold mine. This is fantastic. There's lots of copper, but there's also all these other metals, mostly like steel, ferrous type metals. And so at the time, I, we made a deal. So I was going to buy that scrapyard. Uh, but they had one cave, caveat or to that. And it was, you have to work here for six months and prove that you can actually run this business. So if we're going to finance you, you got to show us that you got what it takes. Because, you know, at the time I were fancy things. I was wearing this like designer scarf or something. And they're like, because that stuff's not going to fly out here, you know, in Battleford, Saskatchewan. And so that's like, now we're talking like 14 hours north of the U.S. border. You know, like we're so far north now that, you know, the sun in the summertime, like doesn't set till like 1130 p.m., like that kind of stuff. So long story short, uh, I got my class one trucking license. So like heavy truck license. I went and got that in two weeks, came back, started driving trucks and learning how to do this, loading scrap metal into trucks, bins, riding excavators and loaders. And uh, within that six months, though, I got really excited because I, I was learning very quickly, you know, and I started to see all these inefficiencies and I started to, so I started to implement all these things. We installed a new scale, I digitized it, I put cameras in, I equipped everybody with, uh, you know, iPhones. At the time it was like iPhone 4s, um, so you can get an idea of when that was. But now we can get real-time data and GPS. And then I, I acquired this uh, specific type of loader so we can load all of our equipment or of our scrap metal into containers. We struck a deal with Hyundai out of South Korea. And we were now shipping all of our steel to Hyundai so they could make stuff like cars, I guess. And um, it was a very exciting summer for me because I learned all this, done all of this, except I had made a, like a really grave mistake. <laughs> Because then at the end of the summer, I sat down with the owner and he paid me quite handsomely for my time and all this stuff. But he said, you know what, John, he called me John. John, I don't know if I really want to sell this thing anymore. Go, Why not? He goes, oh, it's been, a, it's been the best summer I've ever had. Everything's <laughs> oh, no. smooth. The trucks are all great. We have an idea. We have GPS. I didn't even know what that was. All of our scales are accurate. We're, we got the biggest contracts we've ever had. So I, I, I built up the company before I actually acquired it. And to the point where I took the pain away and they thought, why would we sell this thing? And so the contract, um, you know, it was, un they were unsure. So the price naturally went up now. And uh, in a weird turn of events, and I was told not to talk about this, but I think this, this will really tie into a theme that's really important, especially towards the end of the podcast. In their due diligence, because um, they were going to finance me, you know, and it was millions of dollars and of assets and all the stuff they wanted to make sure that I was credible. Uh, they had discovered that my wife was cheating on me through social media <gasps> because I was blocked from all the channels, but she didn't block them because she didn't know who they were. And so that was a really fun turn of events. So they were the ones who actually brought this to the table. And it was, a, you know, so they said, look, go figure this out. Maybe you can, you know, restore this and come back when you're ready to buy this thing. But, you know, if you're going to be in the middle of a divorce, we don't want to be in the middle of this. You know, and, that, and that's fine. You know, the marriage was done before it was done. Just unfortunately, I was the last one to find out about it. But hey, and so fast forward six, 12 months later, 
you know, I was, uh, I went back to the family and thought, okay, well, what is this thing still for sale? Um, And feel free to direct me or ask questions as you wish. No, this is fascinating. Yeah, keep going. So the idea was, they said, well, you know what? No, the business is going great. Um, So we're fine. We're good. But one thing that I had discovered when I was working there is that a lot of farmers kept dropping into the scrapyard trying to give us and sell us their scrap metal. And uh, we would always refuse it. And in this, in the scrap industry, we always wanted the heavy, dense scrap because it's easy to transport, high yield, high return. And the farm stuff was always called like popcorn scrap. Because if you have to think about it, in the metal business, you get paid by the pound. So if, you know, imagine what a bowl of steel would weigh compared to a bowl of popcorn, right? So if you got popcorn scrap, not interesting. And so then I thought about that. I, well, I wonder if there's an opportunity here. So we fast forward, we made a deal with the largest smelter in the central part of Canada and uh, where they, we wouldn't take no for an answer. So they would take our scrap metal in and we created our model to be a scrap yard without the yard centrally. Um, and so they, 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 they didn't want to deal with us. We ended up just, we wouldn't take no for an answer. So I guess there's a bit of perseverance there. And they said, look, what would it take for you to consider us um, to, to make a deal with us for large volume? And so at the time they said, look, if you can do 1,000 tons of steel through our door in the next 30 days, we'll talk. We'll make a deal. So we got to work. So... Partner, so I partnered with uh, a gentleman that had some experience in the scrap industry. We came together, and fast forward thirty within thirty days, we had brought in over two thousand tons of steel. So they called us up. They would, you know, and someone, some VP from their North American office in Chicago calls us. Oh, who are you, and where where are you getting this stuff from? And so. <laughs> Because we had figured out a little niche, you know, farmers were unable to get rid of their scrap metal because no scrap business would want to de- deal with them. And this stuff was full of contaminants. It was hard to get at. Um, so farmers usually just left this stuff in their back pastures. So we had modified and did some innovation in terms of bringing in some of the big equipment that I was experiencing in the scrapyard, but how do we retro, uh, retrofit it and modify it so that we can get onto the side roads, get into the farm and do a farm cleanup. And so that was one of the other companies that we, that was essentially one of our unicorn companies where we were able to come in, innovate through a whole bunch of products. And we can talk about that stuff if you want. It's, it's boring, but it, nonetheless, we were able to do what, you know, very few competitors out there were doing in six weeks we were able to do it in about six hours. And so we had this huge value proposition that we can bring to the client. And, um, you know, in, in exchange, we weren't really paying them for the scrap. We were also just doing a cleanup. So now we're getting all this free scrap that we can flip right away to our uh, to our clients or to our, our smelter. So, yeah, so I apologize. I feel like I've kind of meandered a little bit it. there. No, um, this is so good. This is so good. And look, th- this is a great introduction to a, a couple of other podcasts that, that we will be having in our series with you. And one is about innovation. I am um, absolutely passionate about innovation, but I love some of the things you've talked about. Um, and, and we'll talk a bit about innovation, you know, in, in that later podcast. One of the other things you've talked about is bringing in systems and processes. And, you know, this is a really critical element um, for any business, business, any business in any stage. I talk about the business stages of being 
um, buy or acquisition stage, growth um, and exit. But each of those stages, you know, I'm I'm a massive systems and processes person. I can hear, um, I I can hear how much you've done through innovation and systems and processes. And 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 I just want to reiterate to the audience that this is in when when you've acquired a business, this is where the opportunity is quite often for you post acquisition to really drive value out of that business. Obviously, in the growth phase for a business, it's critical. And in preparing for exit, you know, you'll always have a more valuable business. Um, if you have tight systems and processes. And, and, and before we finish up this podcast today, and I do have one other question before we do, but before we get to that, I'd just love for you to talk a little bit about your program that you run now in relation to systems and processes, because that's what, is that the business you were talking about that you're building now? Yes. You know, and it's interesting. I, um, you know, I, I went through a, a very long and difficult divorce, 10 years. Um, I lost access to my son for a couple of years through that whole process. And when I got him back and I had ended up selling uh, one of my other bigger companies, I told myself, you know what, this is a perfect opportunity. I'm not going to go flip. I'm not going to go turn around another company. I'm just going to do something low key and just spend some time with my son when I have him. And, uh, you know, just the other day, my advisor turns to me and says, you do realize this is a company too, right? <laughs> so I looked around and we're now at, I think You've we got like seven, <laughs> yeah, I got seven people on our team now. I think we got a number eight coming on next week. So um, we are going through some pretty rapid growth. And the the reason being is because we've, and, and having done a lot of this stuff, a lot of people hire me because of some of the, the big wins and the successes that we've had with some of these unicorn startups. But a lot of people really get a lot of the value of the mistakes we've made. And so I love that you said the systems and processes. We do have a, we're building courses and platforms for business owners so that they can learn these tools and equip the tools. So the things that I did to scale these companies up, the things that I do to scale my clients' companies up, they can access it now and I'm packaging it. Some of them I'm, I'm teaching live still just so I can figure out what lands, what doesn't. The goal eventually will be video on demand and stuff like that. Uh, but that's, that's, it seems to be something that, and I believe that, you know, maybe a couple decades ago, I don't know if a lot of business owners were looking for that. I think they were just looking for sales, 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 but it seems to be in the vocabulary now where, and I was told this by some of my older advisors, oh, don't talk about systems and processes. Nobody wants that, but I'm not getting that. And I don't, I think the next generation of savvy business owners or want to be business owners, they understand the value of that. And that's, I think that's why we're just growing so quickly because people value that and they see that they're gonna get consistent results, which gives them peace of mind, predictability, predictability in everything, profit, cash flow, and then also staffing now. So there's a lot of great things that come of it. and. Yeah, we're, we're excited to live vicariously now through all of our clients. Oh, I love that. And how how do our listeners find out more about these programs? So we do have a, uh, we have it on our website. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly upgrading it and up do, doing it all. I have a marketing uh, team right now that's doing it. So our website, growthstrategy.ca. And it's ironic because a lot of people tell me in my first meeting with them, just so you know, I don't want to grow right now. And I say, I get it. You know, if you don't have systems, you don't want more chaos. I get it. But let's talk about systems, which naturally brings you to growth. So growthstrategy.ca for Canada. And um, yeah, we have a whole section on courses and we're constantly updating it and 
rolling it out. Love it. So fabulous. Okay. The one last question before we close this out for this um, first session together, what is the one key thing that you've learned about acquisitions that you wish you knew right at the beginning? Mm. Or any, or, or the key thing that you've learned about acquisitions, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I think if I were to go back, the, I, the number one thing I would do differently, um, because I love to work on the business, and I sometimes see this with some of my clients as well, where they they read the books and they they want to be the CEO and they want to lock themselves away in an ivory tower somewhere. And I just want to shake them and wake them up because I, I also saw see a little bit of that in myself before. So I would buy the business and I would say, I don't care what the product is. I just want to work on the systems. But it's so, so important to listen to the clients. So in hindsight, I would have gone back to all the big mark, uh, client segments or the big clients and just get to know them, get to learn why and what and what can we do better. Um, that's something that we do now. We incorporate a lot now. But in hindsight, I've made some pretty big mistakes by not listening to my, cli my clients. I love that. What a brilliant one. That is so good. And, and you know, I, I guess inherent in that is, is the getting truly to understand the business that you're acquiring or that you have acquired. Um, you're talking about clients, but it's not just clients. It's also, I, I think, you know, it can be broader as well, the staff, the, um, you, you know, the, and what makes the business tick and the industry itself. Great comments there, Jean-Eric. Absolutely fabulous. I've had so much fun talking to you. So much fun indeed that we're coming back for more. We will have some episodes coming up where we talk about preparing for exit um, and also uh, innovation. So um, I just want to say a huge thank you to you for coming on the show today. Tons of fun. Thank you for having me. Well, that's it for this episode of the Deal Room Podcast. We hope you're now primed for your next deal with these pointers and have enjoyed these fascinating insights. Now, if you'd like more information about this topic, then head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com, where you'll be able to download a transcript of this episode, as well as access any contact details and any other additional information we referred to in today's podcast. Now, if you'd like to get in contact with our guests today and the services they offer, you can go ahead and check out our show notes for a link right through to them and their details. You can also book in directly with our legal legals at Aspect Legal. If you'd like to soundboard your next steps, discuss a legal question, or find out more how we can assist, whether that's with buying or selling a business, or perhaps somewhere in between. Now, don't forget to subscribe to The Deal Room Podcast on your favorite podcast player to get notifications whenever a new episode is out. We'd also love to hear your feedback, so please leave us a review and rating if you're already one of our subscribers, or even if you're listening to this podcast for the very first time. Every review helps our team produce valuable content for you. Well, thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. I am so very excited to announce that I've hit a non-podcast related milestone and released a book. You might wonder why? Simple. I wanted to help business owners understand the mechanics of deal making and the interaction between three critical phases of business, acquisition, growth, and exit. 
And so I am very happy to announce Buy, Grow, Exit, a guidebook for business owners and their advisors on how to buy, grow, and guess what, exit in a way that maximizes value and avoids landmines along the way. The book is available now, so just head over to buygrowexit.com.au to get your copy and to access a whole heap of free resources that will really help you on your journey of acquisition, growth, and exit in your business or in working with your clients. Also check out our show notes where we will link straight through to that page. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. 